you have your Bibles and you'd like to read along with us, we'll be in the book of Exodus, the 14th chapter, 13th through 14th verse. And this morning I want to talk to you about Red Sea faith. Moses has led the people out of Exodus. They've been imprisoned and slayed by the Egyptians. God has used plagues to show the Egyptians how strong and powerful he was. It's so strong and powerful that Pharaoh finally said, enough, just get them out and go. So now they've packed up their possessions, took some things that they shouldn't have took with them, that they'll get in trouble for later on, and now they're out marching. And Pharaoh has decided they've had fun long enough. I'm going to go get them. So Pharaoh loads up his chariots. 300 of his best, three to 400, according to which Bible scholar you read. And then he just loaded up all the rest of the chariots in Egypt. Come on. You ever seen one of those push-pull drag sails at a car lot? Didn't matter how it was, if you can get it there. That's what Moses did, or Pharaoh did. If you just can get a horse attached to that, bring it on. We're going to go after them. So the Egyptians start out after the Israelites. The Israelites are marching right along, and all of a sudden they see this great cloud rising up behind them. but in front of them is the Red Sea. They can't turn around and go back because they know what Pharaoh's after them for. And they can't go forward because there's no path. So they're stuck. Moses goes to God. And as he comes back to the Israelites, he said this, Exodus 14, the 13th and 14th verse. But Moses said to the people, Don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation. He will provide for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much this morning for, Father, you're you're just being as great as you are. Father, for allowing us to be here today. Father, there are so many people in other countries, Lord, that cannot gather together in your name. Father, they can't meet and assemble and worship you. Father, we stand here today so freely able to gather and to be with the others that are like-minded as us, Lord. Father, those that want to lift your name up, and Father, those that know how great your love and mercy and kindness has been in our hearts and our lives. Lord, this morning we just pray for Dawn and her father as they're traveling on across the United States. And Lord, we just thank you so much for people like that that are willing to go out. Share your word, Father. Father, not just sharing it, but Father, living it out in their lives. 
Lord, there's people right here in this church this morning that do this on a daily basis, Lord. Father, they share your word. They go to their community, their neighbors, their family, and their friends. And Father, they just love on them. And we are so grateful and blessed to be a part of that. Father, we thank you now for your son that came and died on that cross. Father, you're not, you're not sparing him at all. But you're giving the very best for our very worst. Lord, we thank you so much. Father, we just ask now that today, if somebody needs to make a decision to be with you, Father, to come back to you, Lord, this is the day and the hour that they would be there. Father, we ask all this in your Son's holy name. Amen. This past week, I, I've been wearing my glasses because I have a, an ulcer on my cornea. And it, it's irritating. It just aggravates me. Worst part about it is I can't wear my contacts. I have to wear these glasses, which means I can't see anything over here on either side without doing this. And they're multifocal, so I have to do this to see anything. Uh, you know, and, and that, it's just not been a good week for my eyes, but... The other night I was up at Brandon's house, our son, and his son, his oldest one, Josh, wanted to go to bed with Papa. So I'm like, sure, I don't care, I'm, I'm going to sleep. So he comes in and he crawls in the bed and he gets everything set and ready for the way he wants it. <laughs> and I reach over and I get my eye drops, I take the lid off of it and I lean back and I pry my eye open and I put the drop in. And as I'm holding my eye shut to try to rinse it in there good, Jack says, what would you do? I said, well, I put an eye drop in my eye. He said, I don't like that. I don't like that. And I said, well, it helps my eye. It's going to make it better. And I said, but why do you not like eye drops? And he said, well, he said, Mama makes me lay on her ottoman. I got this huge ottoman. He said, Mama makes me lay on that, and then she sits on my chest, and, and she rips my eye open, rips. And then he said, then she starts dropping this in there, and he said, till I, I can't even see out of it, it you know, I'm, I'm blind, I can't see. And he said, then she keeps holding my eye open, she won't let me close it. And I said... She's that way? Oh, yes. And he said, and she's still sitting on my chest and won't get off. And then he plurred on his little iPad or Kindle Fire or whatever and started watching a cartoon and fell asleep. I wondered as I laid there thinking about Amanda sitting on my grandson's chest and abusing him to clean out his eye. <laughs> and, as I, and as I laid there in the bed, I, this thought came to me. How many of us are the same way with God? We got something that we need to be doing or something that needs help, something that needs His grace and His love. How many times has he tried to hold us down and administer that love to us? And we look at it as a torture and a, and a torment and a pain. 
children of Israel. Now here they have, they've been in bondage for you know, years and years, generation after generation after generation. It was just the norm that they were in prison and they were enslaved. It, it had become so bad for them. They had their own houses. had their own gardens. They had basically everything that a person would want, except they had to do it when the Egyptians told them to do it and how they were to do it. But everything else, they primarily slept in their own bed at night. But they griped and they grumbled and they growled because they had disobeyed God before. That's the reason they were enslaved by the Egyptians now. God had sent Moses, go get my people. Pharaoh, I'm not letting them go. Moses, let my children go. Pharaoh, no. Moses, let them go. No. So finally, God took the firstborn that were not marked with the blood. And Pharaoh, after the death of his own son, watching his people suffer and, and, and go through just terrible, terrible things, wasn't enough. But when his own son was taken. Pharaoh said, enough. Get him out of here. A lot of times, are we like Pharaoh? Do we look at other people suffering and go, well, that sure is bad for them. Sure do hate that. Yeah, ain't happened to me. I sure do. I sure am glad. But then when it happens to us, it's the worst thing it's ever been. Well, Pharaoh had let the children of Israel go. They were out, they were going, they were singing, they were happy, to as happy as you can get traveling in a group to one or three million in the desert. And they're going along and all of a sudden they encamp by the Red Sea and the next morning they wake up and the watchmen that are out watching and I think that's something the church needs to do today. We need to set up some watchmen. We need to set up some people that are willing to stand up and look out over our communities and our homes and our church and just tell us, hey, there's an enemy coming. But we, we don't do that anymore. But the watchman came in, hey, there's, there's a cloud of dust coming, and it's not a good-looking cloud, and it's a big cloud children of Israel began to grumble and complain because they knew that it was Pharaoh. And now they're at the Red Sea. They're, they're stuck between an impassable object and a force that wants to kill them. This morning, there are us that are sitting in this church. There are us that are in here today that have been in the same situation. We've got a past behind us that wants us to come back and enslave us and entrap us in all the pain and sorrow and misery and heartache that it can give us. It wants us to come back to it. It wants us to come in and be a part of it all over again. And then we look ahead of us 
And there's an impassable journey that God said, go forward. Go on through there. And we look at that and we think, God, you're crazy. I can't go through that. There is no way I can make it through that Red Sea. You see, I, I, I can't swim. I don't have a boat. I don't know a friend with a boat. I don't know enemies that's got a boat. The guys that are coming up behind me, Lord, I don't want to go back to that, but how do I get across? How do I get through? This week as I was studying for this and getting ready, I run across an article that a group of scientists have now come together and scientifically proven how the Red Sea crossing happened. They are now saying that a thunderstorm arose at precisely the right time that the Egyptians were coming up on the Israelites. There was actually two storms, one coming from one direction and one from another one, and they kind of met. And as they met, the wind was blowing precisely at 67 miles an hour for, it told the amount of hours. I, I got, when, it, when they were talking about precisely at 67 miles an hour, I went back in my mind and thought, Where's Michael J. Fox? He's getting in that car and we're fixing to go to the future. <laughs> Was that not right? These group of scientists have boiled it down that the wind blew 67 miles an hour. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I've been out when the wind's been blowing pretty good. 67 miles an hour, you're not taking one point or one million to three million people across standing up. It's going to knock some of them over. Some of the little weak ones and the children, some of the ladies. You're going to get knocked down. But according to these scientists that after 12 and a half, I think it's 12 and a half hours or 12 hours or something, the ground underneath where the water had been blown apart began to be dry enough to trot across and to take Carts with loaded down with food and supplies. Yep, that's how they did it. That's what done it. And it, just miraculously, it, it held there long enough for the Israelites to go through. And then as soon as the Israelites go through, it stopped. I find that hard to believe. I find it hard to believe, especially with all the technology that we have today, that we cannot tell you when a tornado is going to hit. That these scientists could go back and look at something 4,000 years ago and say, hmm, that's when that happened. They didn't have the little Doppler that goes out and sits on the ground and gets sucked up in the air and all these little electrodes fly out. And sends all these signals back. They're saying that there was two reefs. And then when the wind blew, it blew the water behind those reefs. And kept it there. 
and then it fold, let it fold back in. You can see that. What I do see is a God that could arrange by just speaking into existence our earth. A God who could reach down and take a handful of dirt, rub his finger around and produce man. Then put that man to sleep, take a rib out, hold that rib in his hand and make him a helpmate. That same hand that could hold all the water in the world and it not run out. It's the same God that separated the Red Sea. This morning, we have people sitting in this church. We have people whose hearts are so scared right now because their past is right behind them. Their past is gaining on them. Their past is standing right there going, come on back. Come on back to, come on back to us. Come on back to where you've already been. How many of you grew up before this car seat and seatbelt laws? Laid on the back of that car and went in that hot window between the two speakers. You had to roll over just to hear what somebody said because this ear was deaf from the music. How many of you grew up sitting on the hump in the back seat? No seat belts. At that point in time of your life, you were just as good to go through the windshield as the rest of the family was. I can remember riding on those days and it being so hot and, and laying up in that back window. I don't know why they thought that was a good place to lay and cool off. But that's what our past is wanting us to do. Come back. Come back over here where it's hot. Come back over here where your sins will find you out. Come back over here where you can live in misery. And we look at that and we try to figure out, well, well, right there in front of us is water, but I can't go through it. And I can't go around it. And I can't go under it. There's a company out of Japan that is laying the deepest trek for a subway system in the world. It's like 67 meters below the surface. And it's in there and they're having to use machinery because at that depth, man can't work. And they're going to anchor all this stuff together. They're going to tie it all together. And you're going to be able to ride from one continent to another continent underwater. Their, Their traffic is so congested that a 30-minute walk will take you four hours to drive. This was the type of Red Sea that these people faced. They were there and there was no way to get through. No way. Moses told them, be quiet. The Lord will fight for you. But you've got to be quiet. This morning, when we face our Red Sea challenges, 
What do we want to do? We want to tell God what the solution is. God, if you'll just let this happen. God, if you'll just direct me in this area. God, if, but if, when you direct me, God, make me go and do this. God, if you, if, if, if you just do this, everything would be all right. There are people every day that are wondering why they are not moving forward and why that impassable object seems so burdensome and so troublesome and so large. It's because we're trying to do it our way. We're not willing to stand still and let God fight for us. Now, if in case you can't tell by looking at me, I've never been a little feller. I was born weighing 10 pounds and 4 ounces. I was a big baby. And in school, as we went through school, I thought it was my job, my responsibility to take care and look after those that were smaller than me. I never had a fight for me because I didn't care. But there was others that I fought for that were being picked on and bullied. God wants to be that way for you. God wants to be the one that takes the bullies, our past. God wants to be the one that takes the bullies who think they run everything and have to be a part of every detail in your life. God wants to take them on head on and show them that He's bigger. When our problems look big, our God is bigger. When our, when our obstacles are in the way, God clears them out. You want to turn over to Matthew, the fourth chapter. We have a clear, precise, cut view of what we are to do when we hit that impassable object. Christ had been foreclaimed by John the Baptist. John was out baptizing people in the water. And as John was baptizing the people, he kept telling them, I'm baptizing you with water, but there's one coming greater than I, so great that I'm not even worthy to unloose his sandals and take them off his feet. There's one coming that it will baptize you with fire and with spirit. And so Christ walks through the crowd. And as Christ walks through, John looks up and sees him. And when Christ starts out in the water, John says, I don't need to baptize you. I need to be baptized of you. You need to baptize me. And Christ said, to fulfill the scriptures, he had to be baptized. After Jesus was baptized, there was a voice come down from heaven that said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And then God took His Son and put Him in the wilderness. God took His Son and put Him 
at the Red Sea. And why did he do that? God put his son out in the wilderness, out by himself, to give us the example on how we should handle our Red Sea moments. You see, when Christ went out into the Red Sea, or went out into the wilderness, Satan come and tempted him. And the first thing that Satan tempted him with, he approached him, and he said, if you're the Son of God, then tell these stones to turn to bread. For you that don't know, and some of you know it all too well, people with an addiction have a problem. And that problem is that they are tempted daily by what they're addicted to. And for most of us, that bread that he's talking about represents a lot of different things. It may, it may represent something to you and something different to me. But when Christ was tempted of the devil, and this is what he told him, Man shall not live by bread alone, but out of the very word that comes out of the mouth of God. Christ quoted Deuteronomy to the tempter. Christ said, here is my answer to you. When your past is coming up on you, and it's saying here, you can turn this the way you want it to be. And avoid all this heartache that it looks like's ahead of you. Christ said, No. I'll live by the very word of God. A few days later, the tempter came back. And the devil took him to the holy city and he took him to the highest point. How many in here this morning have been to the highest point in your life? You've been to the very top. You know you're on top. This morning in our Sunday school lesson in James, it was talking about people that were rich. People that are, that are rich. Bank accounts are overflowing. There are people sitting here today that are rich with family. Rich with love. Rich, rich with friendships. But in this case, Satan took him to the very loftiest place of the holiness of holies in the city. And Jesus looked at him and said, I will give his angels orders concerning you that you will support with their hands that they may not take or strike your foot against a stone. Jesus quoted to him Psalms. The 91st Psalm, Jesus quoted. He said, I don't need to be elevated. Because I've been already lifted up by a God that cares enough about me to send His own Son to the cross that was lifted up that He could draw all men to Him. So Christ quoted Him another scripture. Then the devil came back to Him. Took Him up on a high mountain. Showed Him all the splendor, all the wonders. Some of us in this room have been able to see those splendors and wonders. We've been up there and we've looked out. 
We look out and we see all this is in front of us. I used to work for a company that had a window cut on the floor on the right at the base of the wall of the plant manager's office and had a piece of board in front of it and he would take and slide that board over and unbeknownst to the employees down below it's a two-way mirror he could see them but they couldn't see him and he would take and he would slide that over and he would lean back and say I'm just going to survey my kingdom for a while and he treated his employees that way They were servants instead of treating them like they were human beings. He had raised and elevated himself up to a lofty place. There's some of us in here this morning that have been raised up by ourselves to that lofty place. There's some of you in here this morning and... And I'm sorry if this offends anybody, but there are some of you in here this morning that have elevated your children up to that lofty place. To where their wants and their their desires are more important than what you can provide for them and what God directs for them. There are some of us in here this morning who will make more charges around Christmas on our credit card than we can pay off in the next year for a toy that will be broken before New Year's is here. I told Katie one time we had bought gifts for the kids and and I told you how cheap she is. So When we got through the gifts and everything was done, we turned around and guess what the kids were playing with? The box and the paper. We as Christians do that. God gives us His glory, His kingdom, that we can be a full part of it. And we want to play with the paper and the box. Or we want to turn around and go, look, their box is bigger than mine. How come my box wasn't that big? Christ looked at Satan and he said, this is it. Worship the Lord God and only, only serve Him. Again, Christ quoted him, Deuteronomy. When God, when Christ quoted him, Christ could have called angelic warriors to come down and fought that battle for him. But he didn't. He could have spoke prophetic words that would have changed the course of history. But he didn't. He could have done a supernatural act to make something happen to shaken that devil. But he didn't. And why didn't he? Because you can't, and I can't. But God's Son said, look, when you're at your Red Sea moment, when you have come to the very battle that is going to determine the outcome of your life, what do you have that I can leave you? I can leave you the very Word of God 
that will direct you in the path you need to walk and the way you need to walk it and who needs to walk it with you. Christ quoted them scripture. Christ told them, you follow God's law, not us following yours. This morning our hearts are sometimes broken because we have that Red Sea moment and we don't know what to do or where to go. Today we can create a path and walk through it with storms raging on both sides of us. How would you like to have walked through the Red Sea that day? Walk through and here's all this water that's just billowing on each side of you. And you're walking through it. I came up here the other day and Mashiach had drawn this. In case you're wondering, she just laid it down and, and drew it. I couldn't have made it look that good if I'd have bought it from Amazon and had it shipped in. But she's in here and she's like, oh, I'll just, I'll take a paper plate and I'll do, and I'll do this and I'll do this and, and, and then all this other stuff. Mine would have looked like something that they'd hang in a museum and charge you millions of dollars for. You know, it would have been the kid with the ear on the side of his jaw and his nose on the side of his head. But she came in and she drew all this. And you know what I'm really excited about with our Bible school this week? He said, our God made all of that. He made every bit of it. And, and she took the time to make the twinkling stars. You see those lights that are glowing out? God spoke them. There's one greater thing. God said, this star goes right here. And this star goes right there. They all know their place. They all know they were all put there by an all-knowing God. This morning as you have your Red Sea moments, your Red Sea troubles and trials, do you tell God what to, how to fix? Or do you listen to God's instructions? When your past is rising up on you and is about to overtake you, do you tell God, this is what I want you to do to him? Or do you tell him what God's already done through him? This morning, is there a part of you that is confused and don't, doesn't know what's best. You're not alone. You're never alone. There are those in here this morning that have no idea what they're going to do next. There are those that are sitting here today that say, well, my, my past is overtaking me. My past is telling me that I had a better opportunity and chance there. But you know, when I walked with God, it was great. It was good. 
My past says, I'm right here. I'm coming up on you fast. And you've got that Red Sea facing you in the front. That trial, that heartache, that burden that's coming after you. Let's look at the very middle of verse 13. Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation. Some of us here today need to stand firm and see the salvation that God is offering us. And for those that have accepted Him and those that are walking with Him and those that are having burdens and trials and you're at your very Red Sea moment, listen to what He said next. He, God, will provide for you today. Not tomorrow, not next week, not six months from now, but today. For the Egyptians, now take your pen and mark that Egyptians out and write heartaches, burdens, sorrows, trials, discomforts, pain, sickness, everything that there is in bothering you. Mark it out and write those words in. Because Moses said, what you see today, you will never see again. Once you walk with God and let Him direct your path. This morning as we get ready to sing and we get ready to close, are you at your Red Sea? Dawn and her father were... They had a Red Sea moment. They had a couple of places that were not provided for them. But through chance meetings arranged by the King of Kings, all their needs have been met. This morning, if you're at your Red Sea and you think, there's no way I can go across, God will take you right through the middle of it. And why does God do that? God wants to show you and your problem and the devil that he is greater and bigger and better than anything else that there is. We can walk through. The storms will rage on both sides. But we can walk through with him. And when we get on the other side and God has brought us through, we don't have to face those trials and burdens again. Keep reading in chapter 4 and it says, As the Egyptians came across, God quit holding back the waters. Archaeologists are now finding evidence of a great army buried at the bottom of the Red Sea. It's proof that God will take you and be in control. This morning, if you need to make that decision to let God have it all, do you need to make that decision that He is going to be your director? Do you need to make that decision to accept Him in your heart and in your life? Today is the day. Maybe you're going to start facing Red Sea moments, and you know it. And you need to find strength and encouragement and something to lift you up. Every day, you can find God, and He'll be with you. And you know what? 
all of us that keep carrying around these burdens from our past and all the things that have got us down. Moses said, you don't have to see them anymore. You don't have to see them. Because once you give them to God, He takes care of them forever. Morning as we stand and we pray and our, our praise team comes, if you need to come to this altar on either side or either reason, I just pray that you come now. And as we all standing, our, eye, our heads are, clo- are bowed and our eyes are closed, Lord, we thank you so much for giving us strength, providing us direction. And Father, when we face that Red Sea, Lord, we know. We know where we need to be. And Father, we know that you'll take us through and guide us. Lord, that you'll open up that we don't have to walk through burdens and trials and troubles alone. But Lord, that you will let us be a part of your kingdom. Father, that you want to be. Lord, this morning I just ask that you encourage, strengthen, and Father, send your spirit to deal with any need that needs to be dealt with today, Lord. Father, we just ask all this in your sweet and holy name. Amen.